0: This is a CBC
3: Podcast.
0: The story you're about to hear includes details of sexual violence. The content may be distressing for some listeners. Please take care. Carrie told me that when she first reached out to me, she was sharing her story as a last resort. She knew that by going public... With allegations that police had mishandled her investigation, she may be recognized. The people would know what happened to her. But she never expected that being on the news would lead to one of the few people with inside knowledge of the case to reach out. And,
1: uh, so it was almost like an out-of-body experience watching a movie happening before my eyes, um, and then when we...
0: Within 24 hours of her story airing on the news in September of 2019, RCMP Constable Jarell Smith, the original lead investigator on her case, asks to meet in person.
1: I was shocked because he wasn't, um, you know, currently on my file anymore. And when we got the phone call that he wanted to talk, I was blown away.
0: Smith isn't an on-duty officer anymore, and he's been on paid medical leave for a year. He says Carrie's case was his last.
1: I remember panicking. I remember just pacing the floor in my kitchen. What does he want to talk about?
0: Carrie says he asks to meet. He wants to tell Carrie what was really happening during the investigation. I'm Maggie Rar, and this is Carrie Lowe versus... Episode 3 Believed. You must have been floored to hear from him.
1: I was. It was a rough day.
0: Carrie and her lawyers arranged to meet with Constable Jarrell Smith. On a late summer day, Carrie and the cop, once tasked with investigating her case, get together for the first time outside police offices at the local chapter of the Elizabeth Fry Society. They meet in a humbly furnished room. There's a computer and a desk and two couches and a low coffee table between them. A quote on the wall reads, Love is the motive, but justice is the instrument. And what did he tell you?
1: So he told me that when he was given my file on the following Tuesday from the weekend of my assault that he was told from a supervisor that I was a liar and a drunk and uh, what I'm saying isn't true, so just make her go away. Don't investigate.
0: Emma Halpern of Elizabeth Fry was there for that meeting. If the allegations Jarrell Smith made against his superiors in the state unit were true, she saw problems. While well, it raised some very significant concerns concerns about some of the language that was used to describe Carrie, that she was painted as a liar. At one point, it was called a drunk because there was some indication she'd been drinking, she had had alcohol, consumed alcohol. That these are pervasive myths about women, pervasive myths about types of women who become victimized or who are somehow themselves at fault for their victimization. Uh, and to hear that in,
1: you know... I can't even explain it. I was blown away.
0: Jarrell Smith's accusations are explosive, and they cause Carrie to reconsider the entirety of how her case was handled.
1: You know, so it puts some of the pieces together as to why, you know, things were dragging on, why I wasn't getting updates on my file, um...
0: Police have not responded to my questions about Smith's version of events but after sitting with Jarrell Smith and talking with him for hours Carrie told me she believes him she had no reason not to.
1: There's officers in there telling other members don't investigate if you bring her file to me putting your hand up I don't want to talk about her case make her go away.
0: Carrie says Smith told her he believed her the whole time.
1: He wanted me to know what was happening. He was on leave of absence from work. He told me that my story was a straw that broke the camel's back for him.
0: Before meeting, Carrie had held Constable Smith responsible for the perceived delays and failures in her case. In fact, he was one of the officers named in an official complaint she filed with the RCMP the same day she filed her original complaint with the Halifax Regional Police. It's a lot for Carrie to absorb. So all that
1: time I was thinking, well, he's the culprit. He's the bad guy, you know. So when I first met him, I I was... I remember him saying, like, I apologized to him repeatedly. And he's like, you don't need to apologize to me. But I felt I needed to because I felt so much anger and resentment towards him. And yet now here he was telling me... Carrie
0: says this was a big shift for her because she had reservations about Constable Smith in the early days of the investigation.
1: I didn't like him. (laughs) I kind of didn't like him from the beginning because there was a lot of miscommunication with him and I. But in the beginning, I was really concerned with him being the lead investigator just because of the information I was told. Like when I first met with him and I brought up the concern about the clothing, my clothing wasn't picked up. And, you know, I was told on that day, well, we can't take the clothes now because they could be tampered with, you know, and I'm thinking, what the fuck? Or like they didn't even talk to the taxi company. They didn't go to the scene. They didn't they can't do that now. They can't go beating down doors. They can't get warrants. And I'm like, I just put all my blame on him because he's sort of the only person tangible that I had. I didn't really have anybody else. And yeah, they were telling me that it was his fault. They didn't even bring up Novakovic. Now that I think about it, it was, it was Jarrell. Jarrell should have taken the clothing on that Tuesday. Jarrell should have went to this, you know, um...
0: The Civilian Review and Complaints Commission for the RCMP responded to Kerry's complaint, stating that Jarrell Smith was found in neglect of duty for not collecting evidence, specifically the clothing Kerry was wearing when the sexual assault occurred, and for a lengthy delay in forwarding it for analysis. Also, the constable Smith failed to have toxicology reports submitted properly to gain appropriate evidence from them. In both cases, the appropriate remedial action is identified as operational guidance, but considering he is on extended leave, the letter states this will be addressed with him upon his return. I asked the RCMP what they meant by operational guidance, if that meant that Jarrell Smith did not receive enough supervision during the investigation, or that he wasn't in the state unit long enough to take on such a significant file. They declined my request. They do not comment on personnel. Now, Smith is telling Kerry that it wasn't his fault, that he'd been prevented from doing the investigative work that needed to be done.
2: I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings, host of The Big Story. For six years now, we've been telling one story a day, every one of them about something that matters to Canadians. This spring, though, we're going deeper. The Big Story presents Pay Dirt, the inside story of Ontario's Greenbelt scandal. From political games to stag and doe parties, endangered species, RCMP investigations, and Las Vegas massages, you will hear the full story. The Big Story presents Pay Dirt. New episodes every Monday, and you can get them all by following The Big
3: Story wherever you get your podcast.
1: For us to be able to connect, and then for him to let me know, like, he was fighting for me, and he's believed me since day one, and I had a little bit more faith in some police officers and in humanity but then
0: getting the- Everything Constable Jarrell Smith told Carrie raises new questions about what might have been happening behind the scenes.
1: It shattered my whole thinking of how this department is running, how the Saint unit works. Sorry. It's tough to hear. It was tough. Um, it was very emotional and it was really tough. My nightmares came back.
0: Every time Carrie has to communicate with police as she seeks updates on her file, she says it's an ordeal and her PTSD symptoms return.
1: I'm still in therapy. I started a week after the assault and I've been doing weekly therapy and I am still not at the stage. We have not yet to be able to go over that night.
0: And what do they say to you about that?
1: Because I've been, you know, dealing with the police stuff. Like, I've been re-traumatized over and over and over again. And until there's closure with what's happening with this investigation, they don't want to put me through that trauma again. I've become so paranoid now with the police and, like, What are they actually doing, you know, and here I am trying to fight for change in the system and finding out that they don't even believe me.
0: In the midst of all of this, a small victory arrives for Carrie. News breaks that Justice Anne E. Smith has made a decision in Carrie's case before the Supreme Court of Nova Scotia.
1: A woman who says police in Halifax mishandled her case will have her complaint reheard. Carrie Lowe went to the province's police complaint commissioner last May. She alleged officers failed to properly investigate a sexual assault a year earlier. Now, a judge has ordered the commissioner to re examine the case.
0: The judge sides in Carrie's favor, ordering police to hear her complaint. A civilian can only complain about police misconduct. If she knows about it, Smith concluded in her written decision, determining that the six-month statute should have begun when Carrie discovered problems, not from the day of reporting to police. The justice also finds that the commission erred in concluding that the complaint was only about the first officer Carrie met, instead of the department as a whole. Carrie's original complaint goes back to the police. Now they've been instructed by a Nova Scotia Supreme Court judge to hear her concerns. When Carrie first told me that she'd heard from Constable Jarrell Smith, I passed a message on to him. I told him, if he ever wanted to speak with me, on or off the record, I would be here. No deadline. Months later, I was the one who was surprised to hear from him when he reached out and asked to speak with me.
2: Good, Good to see you? you. Good to see you. Well, I have a
0: Just had time to kind of go through. Jarrell Smith is 38 years old and has been working for the RCMP for 20 years. By the time he was 18, he had his first job in a cruiser, responding to calls with a partner.
2: It's something that I always wanted to do since a young age. I don't know what it was, but I always either wanted to be in the military or wanted to be a police officer. I
0: I spoke with Jarrell Smith's first partner when he was recruited and just starting out back in the early 2000s. They asked to remain unnamed because they still work in the force. But they said Smith was a natural cop because he could talk to anyone. They said it was no surprise that he had advanced through the ranks despite his young age. Smith tells me he was posted in a quiet community detachment until 2018, when he joined the sexual assault investigative team, the SAIT unit. He was four months into working at SAIT when he became the lead investigator on Carrie Lowe's case. I asked Smith if he'll walk me through some of the paces of his investigation. The night before Carrie reported to police, she was out having drinks at a bar in her neighborhood. The bar rests at the end of a long parking lot, surrounded by a few strip malls. Like first of all, there's a camera outside, right? Yeah, that camera doesn't work. Oh, this one, I see it right there by the sign. Yeah. But that was that not working?
2: That one was not working, and they had another one over here that came out into the parking lot.
0: Okay. Smith points to a security camera outside the bar, resting just below signs bearing the local specials. Corned beef and cabbage, salt cod and pork scraps, Molson Canadian draft beer on tap. We walk in.
2: That's not what they wanted me to do
0: okay so let's put our masks on and go in and and if you can tell me like so you come here yeah and then where's the camera
2: there's cameras all over the place okay so there's like um
0: uh, actually there's like there's seven or eight different ones the bar is a large legion style layout with big circle tables and low-rounded chairs, worn down and polished by years of use. It was extremely busy. Right, and like you wouldn't super jammed, pre-COVID. Smith says when he first came here, he immediately spoke to the bartenders. It was a normal night. So one thing with Carrie's very,
2: you know, that night she was very protective of herself. So... When she first came in, she took all of her belongings in purse and everything. She asked the bartender to keep it there. Her
0: purse and personal items were actually still here the next day. She had to come back and get them. Smith says he spotted Carrie right away on the video footage from inside the bar. So when she got here, again, just
2: you know what you'd expect from a normal person having a couple of drinks. There was a time where she went to the dance floor with a group of people, and then there was a time when she was by herself. I think she was just there dancing to a song. A random guy comes up, starts groping her. You know. Where um, was that happening? On the dance floor.
0: Right over there. Yeah. Okay.
2: And um, there was a group. This just a random guy. So I followed him throughout the night, and then I realized that he was just doing that to everybody. So then I followed her through the night. So it's really hard to say. Like she's having a normal night. She's not drunk. She's just walking around and enjoying herself, just like anybody would at a bar. I mean, right. it's just a normal night.
0: But then Smith said he saw something on the video, a critical moment. She's dancing
2: in a group. It looks like she's called over and there's a guy standing up against the wall. So she goes towards that person and it's difficult to see, but there is some sort of, you can see them coming in closer. And that's where I feel that that's where she was drugged.
0: From the very beginning, Carrie says she suspected she was drugged. I've reported on drink tampering in bars and can say that it's a frighteningly common experience. So immediately after she has
2: this meeting with this person, you can see Carrie's head in the video turn. And again, because the video's at her back, I can't see what had happened. But she walks off. She goes back to the bar. And and when I say she walks off, she walks off quickly. Like over there? Yeah, right, right to the bar here. Goes in, and I think she might even have grabbed a cigarette or something. Oh, and then went out and had a smoke. vape? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, She grabbed her vape, came back out. Out? um, Right out this front door here? Right out the front door. And then not 15 seconds behind her was the gentleman… The guy
0: that called her over?
2: The guy that called her over.
0: Went right out behind her. Follows her out. Follows her out. And then she never comes back And she never comes back. Back when Constable Jarrell Smith was still investigating Carrie's case, he says he identified two people from the bar's video footage and brought them in for questioning in the summer of 2018. Those two
2: guys were the two guys that I had brought in as witnesses that, um, and in my investigational plan, even though they were Suspects in my mind. I didn't have any evidence, and I was bringing them in for an open-ended witness statement. And my plan was to say, "Hey, um, I'm interview, which is true. I'm identifying people that I interviewed that I can see at the bar, and I can identify you uh, that had contact with Carrie, and I want to have an interview with you. Um, We can go and follow up with those. So that's what I was going to do. One guy said he didn't know the other guy. The other guy said, "Yeah, I worked with him for years. He's out of my house." So there's so much good information that we can use. Investigate and continue on.
3: Carrie came to me uh, a few months ago with her story. It's incredibly compelling. Um, you know,
0: this is Mike Dull. He's a lawyer who works on behalf of Carrie, and he believes her story. You
3: know, shocking, really. As someone who you know lives in Nova Scotia and trusts the police for you know safety and do an investigation, it's. Uh, It was hard to believe, but the more I got to know Carrie... After that
0: first meeting at the Elizabeth Fry Society, where Constable Jarrell Smith made allegations that he had been instructed by his bosses to close the case, Carrie's lawyers decide to build a civil legal case against police. That's when Dull joins the team.
3: I've never heard of a police officer sort of coming to a victim of a crime or survivor of a crime with an apology that he or his institution failed that survivor.
0: Dull builds a case arguing that the state unit failed to follow its own policies and practices in handling Carrie's case. Carrie Lowe files a claim alleging she experienced, quote, negligence reckless indifference and intentional infliction of mental suffering at the hands of police.
3: At a minimum, they have to meet the standards of a responsible and an average policing agency in terms of conducting that investigation.
0: I've never heard of a lawsuit like this before in which one person is going up an entire police department in your experience, like, have you ever heard of anything even close
3: to this before? As far as I know, this is the first lawsuit of its kind in Canada. Uh, you know, for
0: We have not been able to verify Jarrell Smith's allegations, that he was told to close Carrie's file, or that she was labeled a liar and a drunk. He did not provide any evidence to support those accusations, and the police have declined my requests for comment. Remember, the Civilian Review and Complaints Commission for the RCMP determined that Smith was responsible for early problems arising in the investigation, even going so far as to find him in, quote, neglect of duty. But Carrie and her legal team have included these allegations in her statement of claim for a civil lawsuit against the Halifax Regional Police and the RCMP. The Halifax Regional Municipality representing the Halifax Regional Police and the Attorney General of Canada representing the RCMP have filed statements of defence in it they refute the allegations quote Ms Lowe was not labeled a drunk and a liar nor were her allegations classified as unfounded by the RCMP The RCMP did not instruct any officers to refrain from investigating Ms Lowe's report of a sexual assault It reads All interviews with Carrie were done in good faith, and a full investigation was undertaken. We know that the investigation did, in fact, remain open because two and a half years after she reported, Carrie finally receives news. There's been a break in the case. Someone has been arrested. Coming up on Carrie Lowe
3: Versus. Halifax Regional Police have charged a 33-year-old man in connection with an alleged sexual assault from 2018. This is the case of Carrie Lowe.
1: When I got the phone call from the Crown, I asked her, like, well, what about everybody else? Like, why has no one else been arrested?
2: Unfortunately, um, I wish things could have worked out differently.
1: And I just feel betrayed completely because there was a different way to handle the situation, I believe. And um, I just totally feel betrayed by him.
0: This series is produced by Janice Evans and Nancy Hunter and written by me, Maggie Rar. Mixing and sound design by Evan Kelly. Our digital producer is Emily Cannell. Fact-checking by Emily Mathieu. Legal advice from Danielle Stone. Theme music by Aqua Alta. Our senior producer is Chris Oak. And the executive producer of CBC Podcasts is Arif Nurani. I
2: was taking a bow. I was taking a step.